In your Bibles, the book of Genesis chapter 4, we'll begin there in a moment. You may be noticing that my wife was not here since <laughs> she usually comes up and gives the appropriate announcements. She is in New York. Uh, my daughter, Maria, is pregnant and going to be having a baby. Um, uh, she's due December 21st. Uh, so uh, Chris is out there for her baby shower. So uh, she did the uh, red eye and got out there and uh, they had the... Uh, the event yesterday, and she's coming home tonight. Uh, so anyway, uh, we miss her today, and uh, it'd be good to have her back. We are going to have a unique day today. This is this is uh, you know I've been in ministry since uh, 1978, so uh, you can do the math on that. That's before a number of you were born. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I've never done this before, but we're going to do it today, is that we are going to have a service where we have like a 20-minute sermon, and, and that's going to be a trial, uh, to, to make sure I can get what I want to say in, in 20 minutes, and then we're going to get into our family groups or our, our uh, uh, small groups, and, and uh, in those groups we're going to do a couple things that I'm going to be uh, instructing you on a little bit later. If you're visiting with us... Whoever came, whoever you came with, you just go where they go. Would, would be the way that it goes. You know, you don't, you don't have to say, well, what family group am I in? Uh, you know, just whoever brought you to church. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about meeting in a place like this. If you are visiting with us, someone brought you to church. Uh, you know, you didn't just walk in. That doesn't happen very often. But, uh, anyway, this ought to be a fun experiment. And, uh, hopefully we'll get some good things done today. Title is, Yes, You Are Your Brother's Keeper. In uh, in Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain, and she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later on, she gave birth to her to his brother Abel. So you have these two boys now of Adam and Eve in this iconic story. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And so they were all involved in agricultural things, the two completely different parts of the event, if you know what I mean. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from the from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord, and we don't know entirely why on this, but... It's just fact, as it's given to us. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, apparently the Lord noticed that Cain was angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you won't, won't, will we not be accepted? So apparently, something what Cain had done was rebellious to what God had asked them to do in, in the, the case here. But look what he says, but if you do not, but if, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Wow. It desires to have you, but you must master it. He says, Cain, you're in a troubled place right now. Because you have in mind to do some things that are really wrong. Sin is at the door. And you better get serious. You can, you can do this, but you better get serious about it. 
Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now you will be under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you, and you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And so you have this really iconic story, sad story, a tragic story about these two brothers, and one of them kills the other one. And God says, where is your brother? And he comes back and says, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? It's what he's saying. And of course, what God says to him is, yes, you are responsible for your brother. We find here a first very clear sign that being in a right relationship with God is not just about your relationship with God the Father. It's also about what are you doing with the people around you. That, that Cain can't just say, hey, am I my brother's keeper? I, I, I'm not taking care of my brother. There is a responsibility to have a relationship with God the Father, but part of the responsibility with God the Father involves relationships with other people around us. Now, Jesus covered this in an entirely different way. Look over to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. This comes from a, a person actually asking uh, uh, Jesus a bunch of questions. And in Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, Hearing of Jesus to silence the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them an expert in the law, to test him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So they're trying to catch Jesus, and what he answers, the answer may be not entirely right or whatever. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So the first and greatest commandment is what? You've got to love God with all your being, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. All going on. But Jesus goes on. He says, and the second is like it. Now, did he ask him one of the top two? He did not ask him what are the top two. He said, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the first and greatest commandment is to love God. But the second is like it. In other words, it is so connected together that you really can't connect them. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. These two commandments. Many times what we can fall into, what people can fall into, is I want to have a relationship with God. Which is a fantastic thing to want, right? I want to have a relationship with God. But what they sometimes don't understand is if you're going to have a proper or right relationship with God, it will involve people as well. It's not just you and God. Right? It's you and God, but because it's you and God, it's involving others around you as well, other people. This you and God thing actually is sort of a self-centered thing. Jesus is teaching 
that real relationship with God is not a self-centered thing. It's a community-centered thing as well. You've got to have relationships with people around you. A couple passages that many of us are very familiar with. Look over at John 13, 34 and 35. This is Jesus teaching uh, his uh, closer relationships uh, toward somewhat toward the end of his life. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he puts himself up as the standard of love. Here's what it means to love other people, is to treat people the way that I have treated you. So there's going to be a, a, a standard of love. Now look what he says in verse 35. This is really important. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Our relationships with each other are a dynamic part of our relationship with God. And Jesus says, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. Now, there's, there's things in life sometimes that, that sort of are giveaways, right? If a person is walking around with a USC shirt on, T-shirt, uh, college shirt, whatever, a shirt on with a USC logo on it, what does that mean? <laughs> that means they're in mourning right now? <laughs> uh, perhaps. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're an alumni. Right? Or a student at USC. Because you can wear a USC shirt and not be an alumni and not be a student at the school. But if you're wearing a USC shirt, almost for sure it means that you like USC. Right? Because you wouldn't be wearing a USC shirt if you didn't like USC. And so it's like, hey, I get that. I, I sort of get something about that person. I know a little bit about them. You may not know a lot about them, but you know what? You, they like USC. Okay? Neither good or bad, but you can identify them by that, right? Jesus says, by this, by what? By the relationships people have with each other, the loving relationships they have with each other, by this all men will be able to identify you. They'll be able to know who you are. Now I want you to ask a question to yourself. And for some of us, it may be a hard question for us to answer. Are you a friendly, loving person? (laughs) <laughs> now it seems like some people are talented in this area, right? You ever know someone you think, wow, they are just, they are really friendly. They're, they're talented. Some of us, and I include me in this, absolutely. We are not, I was not naturally a friendly person. As a matter of fact, when I first started coming to church when I was a college student, the worst part of church for me was Fellowship. I was like, when church is over, let's go home. (laughs) But see, if you really begin to understand real, true Christianity, true relationship with God is not, well, church is over because I worshiped. Church is not over just because you worshiped God the Father. What are you doing with the people around you? It's not natural for me. Listen, how many things about being a Christian were natural for you when you became a Christian? If we only did what was natural for us and what came easy for us, there's a lot of things that we should do that we wouldn't do. 
These are some things sometimes along the way that you have to learn. Look what Jesus says to his guys over in, uh, in John 15. This is just really the continuation of the, of what he said there in John 13 is, is a continuation of same conversation in John 15. And let's pick it up in verse 12. He says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. He said it before, right? As I've loved you, so you should love one another. Now, now let's, I just want to make a quick note of this. This came up with the guys a lot. Remember when, when uh, James and John came and said, uh, hey, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And, and Jesus says, well, what do you want? They said, well, we want to sit on the right and the left when you come in your glory. And Jesus says, well, no, we're not going to go there. And all the other guys had a bad attitude about it. You know, they're, they're like, hey, what are you doing, man? You're sneaking around the back and trying to get the best seat uh, at, at, at heaven. And he says, hey, guys, settle down. He says, the greatest among you is the servant. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so that would have been in their mind, right? That Jesus had served them. So when he says, love as I've loved you, they would have thought back to those times where Jesus served them and did things for them. But look what he says here. He says, my command is this love as I've loved you. Greater love is no one than this and lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, this is, this is fascinating right here, guys. Look at this. I no longer call you servants. Because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Their relationship actually went from one level to another level. At first, you know, when Jesus called them, he says, come follow me and I will make you into a fisher of men. The initial relationship that Jesus had with his guys was more, I am teaching you. I am leading you. I am preparing you. I am making you into something. Now he says that sort of uh, that sort of chapter of our relationship has sort of gone away. Now I call you my friends. Right. Have you ever gone through a, a change in a relationship like that? Sure. Yeah. That at one point in the relationship, it was, it was sort of uh, maybe a, a bit of a stiffer relationship. You didn't know each other real well uh, and that kind of thing. And then you realize over time, wow, I, you know, I really like this person. We seem to really have a lot of fun when we're together, that kind of a thing. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We saw this even when we were dating, the, the person we eventually married. You know, the first date I went on with Chris was nothing special. Uh, <laughs> you say, well, she's not here. You can say that. <laughs> oh, no, it's being recorded. Oh, no. Now, trust me, if she were here, she'd say amen to that. Uh, because because what she did, I didn't know this until years later, we were on actually a triple date that night, is that she actually liked the guy that was with us. It wasn't me. And and uh, and, and uh, when, when I got dropped off, they went out and got coffee together. Uh, so that, that, is, that is the gospel truth. And you can ask her. I'm not, I'm not telling you that just because she's not here. But you know what? You, you, uh, and I, I didn't have that, that good, great time either. But I'll I tell you this. This is, this is really not off, top, or off topic. I'll tell you what I fell in love with the next time we got together. 
She came out to Chicago from Boston where she was going to nursing uh, school uh, because her mother lived in Chicago that time, and I was at Northern Illinois as a campus minister there. And uh, I said, hey, when you come out for Christmas, let's get together and play racquetball. And uh, I didn't have any romantic anything involved, I'm telling you. I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking, no, the students are gone. No one is in DeKalb, Illinois uh, when the students leave, and I'll have someone to go play racquetball with. And she did that. She came on out, and we're playing racquetball, and I'm telling you, she is going bananas. I mean, and she'd miss a shot. She'd slam it in the, in, in, in the <laughs> hit the wall with a racket. And, and I just... I'm just sort of watching this all go on. I mean, I fell in love with it. I was like, like, man, I got to have a piece of that right there. That is awesome. Wow, I've never seen a woman that competitive. And to this day, there is an argument that will never be solved because it can't be solved of who won that match. She swears before the Lord that she won. And I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I won. And neither one of us will give in. But Because uh, we both think we're right. But anyway, Jesus says our relationship is more stiff. It was training. Now you actually have become my friends. Now think about this. Jesus says the first and greatest commandment is to love God. Second is like it, to love your neighbors yourself. Love as I have loved you, we used to have sort of a distant, not a super close relationship. Now you're my friends. They're close relation uh, and with each other. This isn't a business relationship. This is a family type relationship. Now, last scripture I'm going to give you is, is this. Look over to Romans 12. Romans 12. If you ever want to have a quiet time or a time to study and you don't know what to study, do Romans 12. I'm telling you, you can get, you're going to get everything you need in Romans 12. It's called the Little Bible. It, it, it's awesome. doesn't take long to read it, but it is packed. Okay, look at this, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Now, every one of you tends to be every one of you, right? Yeah. That, that, so that's you and me, all of us. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. So he says, hey, don't be uppity. It's sort of the way some people would say it. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Settle down. Just as each of us has one body. Now, every one of us can relate with this because we have one body. Each of us has one body. If you think you have two bodies, you have other problems, and we can't help you with that. <laughs> there may be others that can help you, but we can't help you here with that. Uh, all of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. We get that really easy, don't we? I mean, our hands have digits. They have five digits. Our feet have five digits, but our feet and our hands have entirely different purposes in life, don't they? Yeah. We understand that. We, we, have, we have a kidney. We, we have a brain. We have a nose. All these things are parts of our body and they all have important roles to play to some degree or another, but they're not the same. You look over this room today. As a matter of fact, take a moment and look around. Do we all look the same? No, some of us are remarkably better looking than others. 
Some of us are male. Some of us are female. Some of us are college students. Some of us are senior citizens. Some of us are are parents with children. Some of us are teenagers. Some of us are athletic. Some of us are academic. I mean, there's all kinds of different descriptions and and all that, different racial backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, all those kind of things. It says, so so we have one body, many men, and these members that all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. The church is the body of Christ. And each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. We're proud of each other. We have different gifts. We're talented in different ways, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Prophesying here would be like publicly preaching or teaching. Uh, you know what? Everybody shouldn't be a preacher. You know, some of you is dead boring. You know, it, you, 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 you're not going to do it. it don't, don't go that way. You're not talented in that way. Okay, public speaking shouldn't be a part of your life. That's okay. You can be great. I mean, great. Some great people are not public speakers. Okay, that's not a, a, a thing of greatness. It says, if uh, if it is serving, let him serve. Some people are just good servants, aren't they? Yeah. They just like to serve. They, they find a great uh, uh, feeling within themselves of serving. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. You know, there's some people that just are flat encouraging. <laughs> They're the people you want to fellowship. You, you seek them out in fellowship. You want to talk to them. Why? Because you feel good when you talk to them. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. Some people have more money. Hey, if you have more money, you ought to give more money. That's a gift. You, know, you say, well, that's not a gift. I earned it. Well, yeah, but if you want to go a step deeper, how did, did, did you design your own brain? No, maybe God gave you a brain that really works, and so you made money with that brain that God gave you. So don't be thinking, don't be, don't be thinking you came up with it. God gave you the brain that works. Some people's brains don't work. That's not a given. Some of us are handicapped. You know, I'd include myself. Uh, if it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So we, we have this relationship with, with each other. Now, I've got 20 minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. We in the church here, really off the idea in the, in the Bible, and I don't have time to develop this, but it, it, it talks the time of the, uh, the church that meets at someone's house. You remember that? House church kind of concept. What that was in the New Testament times, they met uh, smaller groups of the total group of the church in a particular city. They would meet in certain homes. People had homes, and, and in certain homes, I'm sure just like homes today, you had rooms that were bigger or, or available, and you could have a group of, you know, 15, 20, 30, or whatever in a certain home. Somebody else had a home that was smaller, and they probably couldn't host a, a house church. They would just go to somebody else's and that kind of a thing. From that idea, we have come up with small groups or or family groups to to help meet the needs of the church. And they facilitate, guys, what we're reading about here. The relationships that we should have with each other. So we're going to, in a minute, break off into our groups. And here are the three things that I want you to sort of talk about or do in your group. Number one. Remind each other that you do really care for each other. And you know what? The best way to do that is say it. 
Bro, really love you. You're a great guy. Sister, you're a great girl. I, I appreciate our relationship. In other words, say it. Verbalize it. Let it come out your mouth. Secondly, remind each other of the midweek this week. Hey, you know we're having midweek this week. And, and, and we need to make our best effort to get there. Thirdly, particularly for those who are married, remind each other about the marriage retreat coming up November 3rd and 4th out in Palm Springs. And that, that'll be a lot of fun. And then the other thing that we're going to do, your, your, Raphael made reference to this, is that we are going through re-pledging right now, right? And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you have turned in your pledge card. Because you know who couldn't raise his hand? Me. I haven't filled out my pledge card. So if, if, if you say, well, I don't want to feel like a knucklehead. Okay, I'm the lead knucklehead. Okay? So I haven't filled mine out either. But we're going to get in our groups. I've got the cards right here. Let's get this done. Just knock it out. And you say, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I've made a decision on that. Well, then make one. Okay? And, and fill out the card. Uh, and, and so that, you know, your family group leader can say, hey, yeah, you know, we, we've all got this done and, and we're good to go. Now, if your family group leader is not in the room, they may be in Kids Kingdom or something like that, you guys know which group you're in. Just say, hey, over here, and circle up, and, and, you know, get in the chairs or whatever. We ought to have enough room in here where we can, you know, find each other and circle around each other. The college students, you know, you ought to be giving to the Lord, too. I don't know if you're giving $2, $5. I used to challenge the UCLA kids. Now, I know that's not popular around here, but I used to challenge them when I was a college student over there, or the, the campus minister over there, hey, you need to be giving $10, $15 a week to church. And that's poor state school kids. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, you, got, you guys figure out where you're going to go on that. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, uh, the team group here. What should I do? I, you know, circle around and tell each other how much you love each other. Yeah. Tell each other how much you appreciate each other. But here, here we go, guys. I, I've never done this before. This is going to be a little chaotic. Let's go ahead. Ready, set, go. And I've got the pledge card, so I'll come around and give you the pledge cards.